0: Now, Three, two, one, go
1: This is episode 76 of Cooldown Time, a weekly show about games best and bootiest. I'm your technical mess of a host, Pablo, and joining me today is my co-host, the graphically impressive, Marco. What's up, Marco?
0: We're not the only two people on the podcast right now. We have a special guest, uh, happens to be an infant. Uh, Mm -hmm. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the show, if you don't mind, please. Thank you very much.
1: Say something, baby. Okay. Nope. He's disrespectful. He doesn't say anything. Silent protagonist.
0: That's okay. Don't mind. Uh, No, I'm doing pretty good. Well, I mean, all things considered, um, full disclosure... (laughs) We are uh, recording this a little bit before hurricane time. Oh, there you are. Now you want to talk. There you are. Now you got bars. Uh, We're recording this a little bit before hurricane time. Both me and Pablo are Floridians. And uh, Ian uh, is coming for our next, man. So we are uh, recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do. Uh, So a lot of prep going on uh, on my end. I'm sure the same for you, Pablo, right?
1: Yeah. Got some stuff going on. My wife is coming home from work, and so I'm on daddy duty, so he's been fighting his sleep. So I got him here right in my arms just for a little bit. So you might hear him kind of whine and, and and do his thing for the first few minutes of the show. Uh, but you know, other than that, we got a really good show ahead of us. In this episode, we're gonna be discussing the most overrated game studios in the industry, Disney's plan for Star Wars games, E3's comeback. And much, much more, but before we begin, Marco's going to go ahead and tell you all where he can support, where he, where where every day, what am I saying? (laughs) I'm having a stroke!
0: You got this, man, what do you want to do?
1: He's going to go ahead and tell us exactly where you can support the show. Marco, take it away (laughs) before I die, live, during the recording.
0: All right, somebody get a D fib for this man. Uh, <laughs> if, if you enjoy Cooldown Time and Pablo's Fumbles, uh, please be sure to give our show a sub. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even our official website at CooldownTime.com. And if you're feeling extra cool, follow us on Instagram and Twitter if you don't mind. Uh, we're at It's Cooldown Time there in both places. Uh, if you want to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Um, so with that out of the way, Pablo, if you've recovered from your stroke well enough, let's uh, let's go ahead and get <laughs> the show started.
1: Yeah, let's start the show the way we always started with our loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, Marco. We have quite a few things to talk about, all of them games except one thing, which we'll get to at the end yep. to wrap up the segment. But, um, you know, I want you to go ahead and start us off because you got... Technically, the newest game on here, uh, even though it's a game that f- it's been out for a while, it's finally released completely—the 1.0 of it. So let's go ahead and talk about the game that you're uh, playing right now.
0: Yeah, that game is—it's uh, called Grounded. Uh, it's an Xbox title uh, from Obsidian. It's available via Game Pass. Um, it is a—it's uh, an interesting, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids meets survival game uh, that has uh, been in early access, as Pablo said, and uh, I never actually played it. Uh, Back when it was an early access, I just I I have an Uh aversion to that kind of thing. So I just waited. Um, I ended up playing about roughly about an hour or so of uh, 1.0 to see what it's like to get a feel for it. Try to figure out if it's for me, because usually survival games. I don't know about you, Pablo, but survival games really aren't my bag too much.
1: No, um, I mean, I guess the only one that kind of got me was Terraria back in the day. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of its own little, has its own little spin. Mm-hmm. But yeah, survival games I've never been a fan of. Uh, never really played much of them and, and not interested in them at all. So yeah. I'm interested to, to your take on what how Grounded kind of uh, turned out for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, my, my experience is pretty limited too. I think the, the game I probably put the most effort into was No Man's Sky. Uh, but even then that was definitely not for me. Um, it just, it was too, it was just too much everything. Um, I do, I I do feel like this game is uh, a lot easier to get your mind wrapped around because it does introduce Mm -hmm. things to you, uh, at a pretty nice pace. Um, I really do like the atmosphere and the setting of that, you know, shrunken thing. You know, everything that's usually small is huge and, you know, all of a sudden fire ants are your arch nemesis kind of thing like that. That's really neat. Um, you know, it basically, from what I understand, it takes place in the backyard of this house. Um, and there's a bunch of things back there that's kind of, you know... Uh, again, just ginormous in, in the comparison of how small your character is. It could be like a, a, a thing of like a scale, like a weight scale that you, that you have in the bathroom that looks like an entire like structure uh, to like a pack of like Tic Tac looking things that are laying around in, in, yeah. in the backyard. So I really like that sense of scale. I really like how they take... Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. I really like it. You like I me. really like how they take the, uh, the concept of... Um, Taking just these little minuscule small things, making them big and menacing uh, in this in this game now, the survival aspect of it though, um I have to be honest in saying that it doesn't do a lot for me uh and I don't really think that anything that these games do just as a genre will ever really appeal to me because it feels like a lot of work it feels like you know you're literally trying to make sure you're well fed that you are hydrated (laughs) that you know you're managing all these different levers of of basically life management and uh and it's really no different here i but what i will say i do like is that they they provide a really nice suite of options to make the game easier for you if you don't really want an extreme challenge Um, so I did start off on a lower difficulty level, uh, to see if that would help. And it does make it a little bit more enjoyable. I don't feel like the, the, like a timer is constantly ticking down to craft something to survive and then to create, to craft this, to craft that, to craft that. It's like that domino effect of crafting. Um, so it does feel a little bit easier, but overall, um, I think the quality is there and I see why people do like it, but it's definitely not something that speaks to me at all.
1: Yeah, I think the premise of the game is so interesting because obviously it has that, like you said, yeah. honey, I shrunk the kids vibe right. to it. And it's always kind of, I played a little bit of it uh, when it uh, first came out on early access or the beta, how, whatever they called it. And I thought it was pretty interesting, just kind of how everything uh, looked. And there's some kind of, I forgot you had to put something together, uh, like a radio or something. And that's kind of what I was working on. Um, and, you know, obviously what what we know to be, the ants or things that are really small right. and minuscule becoming like these incredibly large, larger than life kind of things. So I think the premise is really cool. I ha- I have it downloaded. I might jump back into it uh just to kind of see what if I can see the differences between what what it was before and what it is now. Mm-hmm. If there's anything significantly different there, uh, I'm always interested. I'm always interested to see that. Uh, I know a lot of these games. A lot of people put so many hours into it, and the 1.0 finally comes out, and it's like they've experienced basically what the game is and so yeah you know the these changes have to be significant enough to kind of give anybody the uh the want to go back but i'm interested to see exactly uh, how this pans out how people receive it i think it's being reviewed pretty well um yep. as well so w- we'll see it's just such a weird game by uh, obsidian to have kind of delve into it's not their thing at all it's not what they're known for so yeah. the fact that this isn't a complete another disaster out the gate it's a pretty it's a pretty promising and kind of just tells you uh how talented obsidian is yeah that's true uh, that's true. Yeah.
0: selfishly i don't want them to make anything like this again i'd rather than make the big expansive oh, rpgs for sure. but i do understand why you know they have to have the opportunity to make their little pet project kind of games and i guess this was that yeah so, i think
1: hey. yeah i think and that keeps a studio like that uh um, yeah grounded Ah. Uh, no but that keeps a studio like that really doing things they love because you know they have uh pentiment coming out uh in november of this year it's another one of those weird kind of games that you're not really expecting from obsidian so if if we have to kind of i won't say suffer through that but you know as fans of what they do and we have to suffer through those kind of titles to get the big titles that we actually want then you know have at it you know yeah uh, for sure um i'm you want to keep going on your list or you want to kind of go back and forth?
0: Um, I'll go ahead and knock mine out. The rest of these will take you know, okay. just a few moments. Um, I played a couple of demos uh, that came out. Um, the first one I played uh, was Valkyrie Elysium. Uh, this one is, I believe it's a PlayStation exclusive, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think so. So I played the demo of it, uh, the PS5 version, and uh, it's interesting. I never played any of the games uh, from this series before, uh, so I have no background context whatsoever about anything uh, from this series. But thankfully, this is a standalone story. Uh, you don't have to have had played the other games to really know what's going on. Um, so I appreciated that. Um, it is, at its core, it is a very budget title from from Square, Uh, It is very much a a representation of its limitations with money. You can feel it Um, in its presentation. uh, Some of the voice acting, the lip syncing is totally wrong. It's just mouth movement, regardless of what language you pick. It's not a matter of like dubbing or anything. (laughs) So there's a lot of things like that that are really bizarre. Um, And you can feel it right away. But I do have to say, I think the gameplay is pretty fun. Um, the more you kind of get into it and there, there's more things that you kind of learn and are able to do and string together, um, the more enjoyable it starts to feel. Uh, so I felt like during the tutorial portion, I really started piecing together what it was trying to go for, uh, which is more or less, it's almost in a Bayonetta type of genre where it's like an action beat-em-up. It's not really, yeah. it's not really anything past that in terms of rpg elements that i can see i mean maybe there's more stuff in the full game but uh i i don't i don't really think there's much else there other than just a really you know interesting action title um but i do feel yeah. like it suffers from a lot of the same pitfalls of games of this genre in terms of like locations being a bit bland um gameplay being uh you know starting to feel repetitive pretty early um and and a story that really doesn't move the needle too much either so it, it kind of feels like it's checking all the usual boxes of a typical uh action adventure game from a japanese developer uh for better or for worse uh i just don't think that yeah. it's a 60 game in my personal opinion yeah.
1: square's so weird now because like the all they're like pumping out games and they're not ever well i'm not gonna say ever but they're not usually terrible but they are somewhere between final fantasy great and something like this uh so mm-hmm. i don't know yeah it, it's just super weird the, the way what they've decided they were gonna do now which is just make RP action rpgs just so many of them and it's yeah. it's it's a it's a plan. Uh, on it's one hand, plan. I don't I, pers- I don't
0: mind it too much because I like I like the mm-hmm. fact that they're like being diverse and, and trying new like budget things. Not everything has to be like a multi million dollar you know budgeted game. But I also feel like it makes a lot of these games sort of blur together in my brain.
1: Yeah, it feels like they're kind of uh, doing some due diligence or kind of honoring the the f- old franchises guess, that yeah. they, they have a lot of fans, but not too much where they're going to make a full-blown A version of the game. So they, they kind of compromise, which kind of sucks. I think Valkyrie Elysium could pretty much could benefit from, uh, from that, could benefit from... Uh, a, hu- uh, a, a huge, a huge uh, triple A kind of vibe because it, all the story elements just feel like grandiose, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, we're treated to a lot of just like still pictures and, and a voiceover <laughs> to kind of explain what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it could have sucks. been
0: better. Um... But uh, along with that, I'm also playing the demo of Star Ocean, the Divine Force. So this was a game that was revealed in a state of play, I think, back in 2021. And it was met with uh, some some negative feedback, particularly about its localization, uh, which was pretty hilarious for the time. But um, demo is out. Um, I got a chance to play a good bit of it. And I do have to say I really enjoy it. Now, I'm not a big Star Ocean guy. I, I never really got into the series at all. Um so for me, I, I'm probably missing out on a lot of the like the nuances of the lore and references, I'm sure, but um I will say it still feels like it's its own standalone story, just like Valkyrie Elysium is, so I don't feel too mm-hmm. left out. Um and so far I'm actually really enjoying it. Uh the presentation to me, I, I think it's gonna be a love it or hate it thing. Uh I think it looks really good. I think the HDR is really nice. Um I like the uh, the gameplay it feels really nice. It feels almost it reminds me a little bit of Xenoblade in a sense, uh, but just not as know. not as high quality, obviously. But it's it's in that that same sort of realm, um, and I do think that the presentation and the cinematic quality is pretty good. I mean, it it's a good cuts a lot of, got a lot of cutscenes in there, uh, which is you know something I never I never knock a game for. So I was kind of cool with putting the controller down and just kind of seeing what happens. Um, so I was pretty pleased with uh, how everything looked and played. I just wonder if the story is going to be good or if it's going to end up being like really, really wonky. Um, and from what I hear, the series has had some some troubles with, you know, maintaining really good storytelling throughout its history. So hopefully this will be a game that, that pulls through and does well in that sense, because I'm actually interested in it. But it's almost in the same vein as Valkyrie Elysium, where I don't see it as a game I'd buy at full price. I'd probably wait uh, for like an end of year sale or something, and I might cop this. Yeah, that's but what I was
1: gonna ask. but it's, it's pretty solid. Is that, um... It's pretty
0: solid. Is is that again? It's that's coming out soon? It says there's still no concrete release date for 2022, but they're still saying 2022, oh, wow. which probably means it's going to get delayed. <laughs> so we'll see, oh, though. I, I don't know for sure. We'll have to keep tabs on that. But uh, the demo, I, okay. I would say it's worth trying out if you're interested in RPGs. And then um, once I finished that demo up, I, uh, I made my way back to Yakuza Like a Dragon. So uh, back when we first started the show, I had mentioned that um, I stopped at the last last chapter because of a huge difficulty spike uh, that basically that's held right. me up uh, from beating the game and I just decided it wasn't worth doing that so um, I I just went on without it and then um, lately with all these new announcements of Yakuza stuff it, it got me to thinking about man I never really rolled credits on Like a Dragon and I feel like that's just something I want to do. Uh, so I ended up re-downloading it. I pulled up my old save. I went and I grinded to get up to a level that's adequate to finish the game. Uh, And I actually did. I finally can say I've I've officially beaten the game uh, after (laughs) almost two years. Uh, And uh, it was worth it, man. Like, the the ending was great. Um, It really brings together everything that the the game was building up up until that point. Uh, It's very high on emotion and uh, very intense in that sense, too. Um, And I think it ended in a really nice way that... Uh, segues into the future of that series in a in a really cool way. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, with all the announcements, I I know what happened at the end of the game, which I won't spoil here. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of them going away from a specific title to something else makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm interested I'm really interested to see where the where the title goes in the future because, um, they 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 seemingly don't miss. Yeah. Go- going from an action, uh. It's, kind of rpg uh, type of beat-em-up to a turn-based uh rpg is the wildest shit of all t- in fact they teased it on april fools because they knew how wild it was a couple years before the game was actually announced and they actually did it and now i don't think they should ever go back because it, <laughs> it, it just works so yeah. good. it's they're they're incredible yeah. they're they really know what they're doing there uh and so i cannot wait for more of this i listen i i read out a lot of yakuza I could drag in, like a dragon like Right when the announcement started, thinking about playing it, but you ain't got you know, no it's time. not a priority right now. I got, <laughs> You're yeah. No, no, I don't, other I games. don't No, yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I pretty much put to rest the fact that I'm ever going to beat. Um, what's that one game? Horizon, Forbidden West. I don't think I'm ever going to go back to that. Mm. Uh, every time I think about it, I just kind of like, I'm like, ow, <laughs> <laughs> ow. Okay. Uh, but I am. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go into what I'm playing right now because I'm actually playing. Elden Ring again, uh, and that's pretty much kind of like all I'm playing right now. But, uh, besides that, in terms of like kind of digging into the games, Cyberpunk 2077 is a game that I come back to just because of all the hype around it. Um, and I've, I've, I've had this game kind of saved up because I obviously beat it. Uh, mm-hmm. but I did not play the Street Kid version of it. And so I was waiting for the next gen version to come out to do a complete run through as Female V. And do a, um, and do the street kid thing. And so I started, I, I decided to start that though. This is probably a game that I'm going to really dive into next year, uh, for the, for, you know, to kind of complete for the DLC. So, but I kind of wanted to get in, in it right now. And yeah, the the game is the game. It continues to be great. Uh, I, I, playing it and kind of, looking at the next gen stuff uh i, I can't particularly remember and in, in, in like in my mind i can't say this game is so much better looking than it was before but it, the performance in terms of how it plays that's definitely it definitely uh plays really well and there's certain little things that um the game continues to just do really well with its storytelling and its kind of setting and all that. So, I won't bore everybody too much with Cyberpunk 2077. Other than that, it's still great. Uh, I think it's, 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 it's having a resurgence, a well deserved resurgence, because this game is one of the best, uh, Western RPGs of the last decade. And, and it's never got, it's never getting that respect. And you, I can say that right now out loud, and there's people listening to the show and be like, Psh, yeah, right. Because of all the, uh, you know, all the conversations surrounding it. But, it is what it is cyberpunk is a if you if you don't want to play you're just missing out at this point um and then i'm playing a new game uh and this game is a game that i started playing on my phone but then transitioned over to the switch and that's shovel Knight dig and prepare yourself folks i'm gonna talk positively a little bit here about a roguelike uh which is something that we don't do on the show Ugh. very often if ever at all yeah i mean i agree with you i mean that's the kind of like but that's the kind of reaction that i get every time they announce a roguelike and so they took the shovel knight um the shovel knight gameplay and and in, 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 in the in the model and they put it into a uh, into a roguelike which is a lot like steamroll dig uh if if um if you guys played that game steamroll dig 2 specifically and it plays beautiful i i you know getting over the fact that the procedure generated uh, dungeons and, 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 and everything in the underground that that happens, the gameplay is still the gameplay. So it plays really great. It plays just like you remember Shovel Knight playing, but it has that whole kind of dig, uh, menta- uh, the dig kind of gameplay mechanic, which is literally like steamroll dig and it is it is really fun uh it's challenging uh but it isn't like unbearably so uh going back into these dungeons once you clear them uh it is it's fun it takes you right back to where you left off uh granted it's differently it's set up differently but it's just a really fun a uh, time uh, you know once you get into those combat situations some of these kind of roguelike games you know not saying that they have bad combat but like you know the the, the whole thing about the those games is to re- repeat do it over and over but this game really wants you to get it really far uh in each run and i'm really enjoying kind of like a, a palette cleanser uh going between games with shadow uh with um shovel knight uh dig which is a game that is also getting really good reviews and if you like World dig and you like shovel knight I re- highly recommend this. I game. I like one of the two. Uh, I, I like. I
0: love Steam World Dig One and Two. It's two of my favorite games of all time, actually. But I'm. I hate yeah. Steam. I, I hate uh, Shovel Knight though. That's my big. Oh really? Yeah, I hated it.
1: oh uh, yeah. You know that's not, that doesn't surprise me too much. Um, but yeah, I love Shovel Knight. I love Shovel. Knight. I love how 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 kind of the the different things that they did in that game with checkpoints and and just kind of how the way the game played i, I it was simple but complex I, I i love all everything about shovel knight and i can't wait for their new game that's coming at, towards the end of the year um which is like a zelda like i forgot the name of, the, of that game uh but uh yeah i shovel knight dig is a, li- a great little side game that they did a little off. it's it's really good uh how much but, uh, do you, yeah do you, how you, much did you pay for it too much um, excuse me I think $24. I think it's too much uh, for the game. No. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I was really enjoying my, but yeah, I I was having one hell of a time with it on my phone. Um, and I was like, man, I really need to play this on a control because it, it, it has that obviously that that, yeah. that cell phone jank to it. And when I played it on the Switch, it's like, holy shit! Like, I mean, it's a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Like, it could possibly crack my top ten because I, I how much I, I'm enjoying my time with it. But ultimately, we'll see because there's so much to, to still play and finish oh, yeah. before I, I I make that final determination. And then, um, and that's all I'm playing in terms of games. But we are. Uh, We had something that dropped on The Last of Us Day, Mm -hmm. which was yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, which was the 26th, for those listening a little later. Uh, And it was The Last of Us HBO series trailer dropping. Marco, I want you to go ahead and kick it off. What did you think with with what you saw? Uh, Are you excited? Are you cautiously optimistic? Are you just full-on optimistic? Tell me. Talk to me.
0: Um. I am, uh, man, I've never been more nervous for a trailer for any video game adaptation in my life. Maybe The Witcher yeah. was the only one where I was like, oh my God, I hope they get this right. This one was even right. worse for me, though. Um, it's, it's a little hard. In terms of
1: anticipation. Yeah,
0: it's a little hard to know exactly where I stand on the show yet because I want to hear more dialogue. I want to hear more like banter between the characters and get a feel for how they're adapting uh, to, you know, this live action thing um, and just how different or similar they feel to their video game counterparts. But I will say that from a setting standpoint, from an aesthetic standpoint, in, in some of the things you can glean from the scenes that we saw splices of, it does look like they are drawing pretty heavily from the source material, uh, even the DLC, uh, which I thought was especially interesting. Um, yes, yes. And I think that they have kind of like floored me with how true to life it feels. Um, I was really worried about that because we've seen a lot of shows and movies where it's post-apocalyptic, you know, everything's torn to shreds, buildings are collapsed and, you know, nature is kind of creeping in and taking over. It's that destroyed beauty kind of thing. Um, And you you can get that really wrong uh, if you're not careful. Um, when you're doing a movie or film, this looked really good though. This looked like it's got a extremely high budget, which makes me excited. Um, uh, and it looks oh, like yeah. they're going for, um, really nailing the feel of, of the, sh- uh, of the games, uh, which I'm really excited about too. So I had no real concerns, uh, the only thing that, like I said, that I want to see now or hear now is more dialogue. I want to hear how people act and, and interact with each other and what that's like. And then I'm yeah. kind of sold. But yeah, this looked great to me and I'm 100% excited. like
1: w- when I look at who's, like, behind it, obviously, if you guys watched Chernobyl on HBO, which is a miniseries... Marco, if you haven't watched that, I recommend you watch that. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Craig uh, Mazin. Uh, he wrote it, uh, and he's the lead writer here. Uh, it's also co-developed with Neil Druckmann and co-written by Neil Druckmann. So, that's probably explains a lot of, like, how true it is to mm-hmm. the game. Because I was absolutely shocked. Like, I was flabbergasted not flabbergasted how some of the (laughs) stuff how some of the stuff was ripped from the game Uh like it's so much one-to-one shit that and it looked amazing and what 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 i'm excited about here is that hbo is pushing this as their next thing after house of the dragon uh because they it's it's literally they're talking about it like prestige tv which is amazing because it is for us people in the video game world a prestige kind of game uh in terms of its storytelling so the fact that they're not treating this like and the next halo video game adaptation you know like everything you love from the game even though it is they're not treating it like that they're treating it like this kind of like if nobody knows what the last of us is and they saw this trailer they're thinking oh this is hbo you know pulling out the big guns mm-hmm. and making their next kind of prestige tv show that's going to capture everybody i i I, I'm super excited that this is how they're approaching it because I was kind of trepidation to get too excited, thinking that maybe that's what that will that's what they were going to do. Um, I will say my only concern is it looks like they're going to tell the story of the first season, which is great. That's not what my concern is. My concern is beyond that. Like I, I wonder that if HBO is putting so much money into this and it is on pace to be the most watched trailer ever, I, I think it was, was one of the stats. If HBO is going to want to milk this for more, because obviously it's going to get a lot of viewership and, and kind of go the way of, 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 of Game of Thrones where the last few seasons were based on nothing, you know, because there was no material and kind of made a mess of it all. So I hope that this this doesn't kind of overstate its welcome. Um, but another thing is, is kind of the... the, the when you play a game and you are encounter like bosses or enemies, you want that kind of different kind of enemy types, right? Uh, I really hope that the game itself doesn't, the, the show itself doesn't lean too much on that specifically. Cause I am afraid that some of the character design, like the bloater and stuff like that could come off across a little corny on, on TV in terms of design. I, I, I a friend of the show, Jan, we were going back and forth about the, 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 the clicker, um, the clicker. Uh, I th- he thinks it looks great. I think it looks good. It's just I it, it was a weird angle. It just it looks kind of weird to me. it's a little corny if I, if I'm being honest. Just kind of the design of it. Uh the, the, they got the sound down mm-hmm. packed. I mean that shit sounds crazy. I hope that they use that more than actually showing the 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 clicker too many times. Uh cuz that kind of uh, would uh would create high-end attention there. But, you know, it's little stuff like that where I, I, I've i seen this time and time again in, in, in shows like this where once you see the big bad and the thing that's really affecting them in, in terms of, like, their, you know, if you played the game the path that they're taking to take Ellie where she needs to go. Once you see the bigger you're like, oh, it's not that big a deal. But I hope that they, they figure that out. They seem to kind of know what they're doing here. So I'm not too I'm not too worried. So I am – I can't wait for this. Next year, they haven't said when, but yeah. we'll see. I
0: mean, the last thing that I'll say is if y'all can't understand why they wanted to remake The Last of Us Part 1 now, then mm-hmm. you're silly. Yeah. Because you're fresh off the heels if you bought it of, of – re-experiencing the game. Now your memory's jogged with all these moments and environments and locations. Now this trailer drops and now you can remember, oh, those are the two buildings. I remember those two buildings that are like all the way off in the distance. That's from the from city. The, yeah, that's from yeah. the city. Or I remember the carousel, you know, like I'm not going to get into yep, spoiler territory, but you remember those moments and you're going, oh, that's from that. Yeah, I remember now because you just played that game. And and people got to remember if, if, if the trailer's getting this many views, the show's going to get a lot of views, too. So now you're having a whole new audience um, that is going to be funneling into, into the PlayStation ecosystem looking for the game. And if they were to go look for the game and see, oh, they have it, but it's a PS3 game or it's a PS4 game. Oh, that sucks. The second one's on PS4, too. Yeah. like. Now they have the ability to say, "Oh, that and that game just came out, and okay, I'm going to play that new PS5 version of the first game, and now they have the best version of that story in video game form, yeah. to coincide with what the game uh, what the movie I keep saying game movie, everything but the TV show, what the TV show is going to be like. <laughs> so uh, it's hard to talk about anything that's they're, not a video game without saying game. I don't know why. Yeah, um, but anyways,
1: they they're protecting their IP. You know, yeah, it's their they have IP. To. Uh, yeah, they make, Donnie Dog makes video games, sure, but they are branching out that IP yeah. into, into other things. And so, so they have to protect it. And that's a perfect example of that. It's like, yeah. oh man, this is a video game. This is awesome. Oh, it's a, a PS5. Oh, it's a, it looks exactly. amazing. Like, you know, like that, that's, it's all business. It's easy for a, so a let's, jaded let's, let's, gamer let's to assume,
0: oh, I already played this game. Well, there's a lot of people that haven't. So guess what? Yeah. Now it's available for them and it's at full price for Sony. Now, so, hey.
1: I know they won't remake it, but I wonder if they'll do some kind of like remaster for The Last of Us 2, uh, if the series keeps <sighs> going. I don't know. Uh, because I'm playing I I played a I played a- I- I went into The Last of Us 2 to play like an hour of it and ended up playing like 5 6 hours. And I can say right now, The Last of Us remake looks better than The Last oh, it of Us 2. it like, it's not even and it's not even close. But it's not even close. I think there's like, enough parity there, there that- to
0: not need it though, personally.
1: Yeah, I guess so because a lot of people were saying like, oh, but it's just they just do the graphical engine of of two and put it on one. Nope, they did not do that. Mm-hmm. They that two can two does not have the same lighting effects and all that. So I wonder if they would do that. Yeah. But you're probably right. Why, why why put the money on? But we'll never. Yeah, know, the, the
0: last thing that I'll say is if this show takes off, and this is a hot take, if this show really takes off and blows up, then obviously they're gonna have to write beyond where The Last of Us Part Two left off. If that happens. I don't think any game sequel of The Last of Us is going to feature Ellie again. I think they're going to go in a different route entirely. I I would not be surprised if the show takes off. They probably might want to keep those characters on the show, leave Last of Us Part 1 and 2 alone. And then if they do a Part 3, I can see it taking place somewhere totally different with a whole new cast of characters. Maybe in another country. Maybe they go to the UK or a different state. um, And just leave... Leave well enough alone, I guess in so many words, and just let the show have its have its space instead of this competing thing where I liked the last was part three's game better than I liked the season three. Like I don't want like that to happen. You know what I mean?
1: There's no scenario where if they do season three, that that's gonna be the video game. So I think it might go the other way. I think, you know, after the things that happened with Joel. I think that maybe season three of The Last of Us might be, uh, what, might have new characters, and that way it could branch off into its own thing. Like it can morph into something that's completely. That reminds me of like itself. The Wire,
0: <laughs> when The Wire went a totally different. Yeah, yeah, The Wire, yeah. or
1: even, uh, or even let's talk about you know what what we're watching now with with the the House of the Dragon, which is you know a new series was Don't in the spoil Game of that. Thrones. do that. People are gonna uh, be thing. pissed. <laughs> no, 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 It's a new series of the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Where I'm saying it, it, it's it's all new characters in that same world Uh, It feels very much like part of game of thrones uh but uh i i i feel like it's they could probably do this where it's like okay we took what made this this ip popular and we made it into a show probably season one and two everything that happened season two and now we're morphing that into our own thing which i think would be the smart move and then keep ellie and dina and tommy whatever Keep that as uh, the game, maybe for three. Because I don't, I I don't see a, a place where they do a, a Last of Us three without Ellie. Like I think that you know we have to finish whatever that is. You know, obviously you got a lot, you got a lot of closure in part two. But I, I think that I don't know. I just think that it, I guess it really just depends. Yeah. Um, I hope they don't take or they. Sorry, we're going tangent. Or they they just break off completely and do something completely different and switch up what happens with one of the characters you know what i mean
0: maybe maybe they have a lot of wiggle room to do some very interesting things uh for the game and the series for sure um but yeah overall though very hyped excited and uh ready to see this as soon as it drops for sure
1: for sure all right so let's go ahead and move into our news segment of the show the hit points
0: for breaking news rumors and booty juice it's time for hit points
1: all right, Marco. So we got two hit points here today. Um, again, for those of you who skip forward and didn't listen to the intro, which is weird. Why would you do that? Go back and listen to the whole Terrible. show. Uh, we are in Florida. Hurricanes are coming, so we're recording this early to have this out early. So maybe some of this news might seem kind of like old, and maybe there's some new stuff that come out. Uh, but uh, right now, this is what we have. And why don't you go ahead and start us with uh, with what's coming back?
0: Yeah, so it's uh, it's been comeback season. First Cyberpunk resurges, then E3 comes back, Pablo, because it is official. Uh, gaming's biggest expo will be returning to the LA Convention Center next year in June under new management and with a revamped format for the journalists, businesses, and consumers that will be attending. Now... It's not yet known which companies, that being Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, uh, whether or they'll be returning to E3 at this time, uh, but nevertheless, uh, E3 is back. Now, the discourse, Pablo, in the gaming community right now seems to be a little bit split about E3's comeback. As, as far as the um, the necessity of E3 in this era, the, and the probability of success for E3's comeback. So... Um, I want to kick it to you first and kind of get a feel for where you stand on this and do, and if you think I guess if there's any credibility to the claims that E3 uh is no longer a necessity in the world of gaming. What are your thoughts?
1: Did you guys watch Summer Game Fest? The sporadic ass, you know, news conferences everywhere throughout the whole month, nothing there was no there was like no flow to it. Like you might have heard of certain Jeff and his rabid <laughs> ad hounds saying that E3 is dead. I, I don't believe that. E3 is a staple uh, among the gaming world. It's the Super Bowl of import- uh,
0: gaming, really.
1: Yeah. And and look, sure, Summer Game Fest has probably taken a little bit of the win out of E three sales for sure because it it isn't a complete disaster. It's exciting to have news throughout all the summer, but I do think that we miss kind of that that organized kind of week where we're gonna getting all we're getting all the news that we need to get and. pretty much gonna uh it sets up what's coming beyond that same year and what's coming next year and i i definitely do miss that and i think e3 can definitely still be viable and if not not just viable but come back and just be the leading source of where we get our gaming announcements or gaming news um i i maybe they don't need to come back the way that they say they're coming back with the whole conference. Maybe they just, the branding with the online stuff, maybe a mix of both those things can still happen. Because uh, I know a lot of companies don't want to spend the money to create a booth and do all that because they feel that may have some diminishing returns. And that part portion of it is probably true. But E3 as a brand, E3 as a uh, as a moment in the year where we sit and we kind of consume Video game news. I think we missed that this summer. I honestly do. I, I think that, you know, it was like, what, a month, two months of just like a, a one conference this month. And then we got a conference as late as September uh, uh, of this year. Like, it's it just a lot of stuff spread out. All the stuff couldn't just been compressed into one week. And that's kind of just felt like it was spread out beyond three months. Uh, and I, 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 I personally am not a huge fan of that. And I do think that E3 is still credible. Uh, and I feel like we'll see next year once it comes out, if it's still a viable option. But I, I, I still think that it is. And I, I'm excited to see E3 go head-to-head with uh, Summer Game Fest to see exactly what happens. Because at that point, the only people who win is us because they're going to be competing for the best announcement. And we're just going to be sitting home and watching uh, that that stuff. So it's all good for us. Yeah. What do you think, Marco? How about you?
0: Um. Yeah, I... I um... I don't understand any of the claims that E3 is no longer necessary. I understand that these companies with the state of plays of the world, with the Nintendo directs of the world, I I understand the notion that these companies are no longer beholden to E3 uh, to announce or demonstrate any of their, their projects. They can create their own home for that kind of thing. And that's nice. But I also think that that has worked for and against all of these companies in their own respective ways. Um, state of plays, yes, recent ones have been pretty decent. A lot of them suck. And that negative buzz can be detrimental if you're Sony and you're using these state of plays as a billboard to market these games. Um you know, and and you create a dud of a show, then that's on you. Then you have to take the negative criticism. So I think that there is a space for E3 because of an example like that. And I'm not just singling out PlayStation there. I think Nintendo's guilty of that, even Microsoft's guilty of that, uh, where they just create a lot of time-wasting events that mean nothing and show really Mm -hmm. nothing of value. Um, E3 is different because... That's where all eyes and all stakeholders are all centralized and converging in one spot. It's not like Sony can go do their thing over here in this corner. Nintendo can do their thing over here and Microsoft can do their thing over there. Like all eyes are on this one event. And so if you don't show up and if you don't participate, it's well within your right as your, as whatever company you are, whether you're making consoles or you're making games, but you're missing a, a major opportunity and you're giving your competition an advantage. So let's say Sony doesn't do anything for this upcoming E3. They say, out, oh, no, we're out. We're just going to do our own state of play showcase sometime later. And Xbox goes, no, nope, we'll be there. That, that sets a tone for the gaming community. It sets a tone for media pundits. It, it starts a whole chain of a, a whole domino effect. That cascades yep. down and you don't want that kind of narrative of, oh, you know, they're burying their heads in the sand. So I think in a lot of ways, what makes E3 important is that it it sort of makes these companies have to play ball uh, and, and not just play their way over there in the corner. They can, but there's going to be, you better deliver or else it's going to look bad on you. So I think it's important to still have this event. And of course, as a gamer, as a consumer, you want to see as many new announcements as possible. There's something in the air when E3 is here, you know, and you can feel it. And you're right. Uh, This year in particular, it felt very disjointed. It felt super disconnected. It felt like it it felt like work trying to get information on what was going on over with Capcom and what's going on over here. Oh, Square's doing a thing. Is that going to be any like there needs to be something centralized? Because that's what creates that Super Bowl for gamers type of feeling. That's what creates the hype. That's what gets the the people talking. And that's what's missing, you know? Um, And I think most of all, I get off this tangent, so we got to move on. But most of all, I think it just, it's a very positive time for gaming when E3 comes around. And that's what I think Mm -hmm. is missing too. Like, there's been a lot of bad news and bad headlines about games and, and, you know, company culture and all this other stuff. E3 is usually a time where we can kind of recalibrate as an industry collectively and look forward to stuff again and be hyped about stuff again and not have all this oh this play, this company tried to gouge you with this microtransaction scheme and this company made a free to play that sucks and this one's doing a royal and, and all this just this 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 sloppy stuff that's going on in the industry kind of goes away for a little while. And then we can be excited about things again. So it's a nice refresher for, you know, not only for the year since it's happening kind of like smack dab in the middle, but just just for the psyche of a gamer, you know, and not to get too psychological, but I hope that makes sense. It's just a nice feeling to know that E3 is here and we just get to sit back and watch what's coming, you know, and that's something that I think is is definitely uh, still necessary for the business. So I'm all for it. Let's Let's get some E3s back in here, man. Less Jeff, yeah, less Jeff, I'll, I'll, more E three.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and, it, and it, it's again, like I said, if that just means we're getting two kind of big showcases and and you know people announcing things on both shows, that's fine too. But I mean, mm-hmm. there's a place, there's a place for both, though. I think E three is wholly necessary still in uh, the gaming uh, industry. Uh, but you know what is isn't necessary. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me just go ahead and, and kind of go over here. So, According to an article from Inside Gaming, Disney wants a new Star Wars game to release every six months. Mm-hmm. Their expectation is that each year we'll have one major AAA game and one smaller game each fiscal year. Currently, there are eight Star Wars games that have been announced. The list includes the following. The KOTOR remake, which is going great. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Jedi, uh, Jedi Survivor, which is a sequel to uh, Fallen Order. Star Wars Eclipse from Quantic Dream, an untitled first-person shooter from Respawn, and a new project from Amy Hennig. Uh, and there's a few uh, more,
0: too, yeah, that are kind of... There's
1: a few more, yeah.
0: Stuff.
1: The question I'll propose to you, Marco, which is almost rhetorical at this <laughs> point, is this too much Star Wars?
0: Is this too much Star Wars? Um, Man, it's hard because... I thinking about this question, I tried to put myself in the in the shoes of like a hardcore Star Wars fan, and I had to ask myself, is there anybody that loves Star Wars that could find out about this and not be even just a little bit concerned about oversaturation? Um, maybe it's naive of me to say this, but I doubt that there's anybody that can that can listen to this and, and think that's going to end well. Um, to me, I think this is, it's almost tapping into what we talked about with Marvel, uh, for a little bit in the last episode, when it comes to, um, there's a risk that comes with this sort of thing. Uh, when you're making a new star Wars game, there's a lot of things you're going to have to do right to appeal to star Wars fans, which are even crazier than Marvel fans. Um, and you have to make a game that is actually, you know, something that has legs that you can make a sequel for, like a Fallen Order type of thing. Um, so it's not to say that this, this can't be like fruitful, like we won't get good games out of this, because I think there's, there's good potential here with some of them. Um, but on its surface level, like two games a year is ridiculous to me. I think that is supreme overkill. It's unnecessary, and it's really a sign of why why the industry has to be very careful of who they shake hands with. If you want to partner up with Disney, um, you might be partnering up with a problem because yes, you get Star Wars that immediately puts more eyes on your game, but then you're beholden to that now. And now, you know, I I get a little worried when I hear respawns working on a first person shooter. Uh, Number one, because it's not Titanfall you know and number 2 is if oh, is if this is successful i can kiss titanfall anything goodbye right because now they have to devote time into making a sequel for that um so it's 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 really rough and even as a someone who who's cool with star wars and doesn't love it i can see how this can create a lot of burnout um ultimately yeah. the games have to do the talking they have to be worthwhile if these start coming out and they're all just limping out of the gate just to meet this two games a year expectation and none of them are hitting the same quality level we expect then something's got to be done um so i would just say as a psa be careful of disney i know y'all want to work with them make games for them use their licenses but they're crazy out here they want a lot so i don't know man Look,
1: look The the games haven't walked the walk or talked the talk since 1992 when the first one came out. Look, I, I'll be less diplomatic and I'll say, yeah, fuck yeah, this is way too much Star Wars. There are over 100 <laughs> vi- uh, Star Wars games in the world since 1992 to to as recent as 2022, and that's including wow. Lego variations of uh, Star Wars games. And there are maybe five that are incredible, you know, and 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 maybe three that are okay. Like it's it's just it. The math is all there. One hundred games, and they're still gonna. Now they're gonna double almost that in 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 less time, you know. And just to, uh, just to, to to take advantage of this IP that they now have access to. Look, it doesn't look. You're looking. Look at the TV shows. Ever since Disney Plus has launched, they have been rehashing, recontextualizing, rewriting entire plot points, lore, stories in it's order messy. to keep the. Yeah, in order to keep it moving mm-hmm. within that IP. And they've taken these great characters, the mystery of some of these characters, and pretty much sucked them dry of their essence. You know, like like Boba Fett was a character that I adored for many years, and that Boba Fett show came out, and I'm like, yo, he's a sucker. I hate <laughs> Boba Fett. Like, obviously, you know, I still have, I, I still think of Boba Fett from the older films, but whatever they did with, with the show was just absolutely dreadful. Uh, and, you know, and you couple that with the fact that Again, these Star Wars video games—they miss more often. In fact, we're surprised when Jedi Fallen Order comes out and it isn't trash, you know. And even then, I don't think Jedi Fallen Order is a, a, an incredible yeah, game. Like not a world or shaker, or anything like that. It's a, it's it it's fine. It's actually pretty decent. Yeah. It's actually really fun to play. But like you said, it's not a world shaker. And so to to kind of greenlight two games, regardless of one being a AAA and one being a smaller game, like I, I, at, at, there's going to be a certain point where. We're going to hit a wall, and I and I believe that this plan is going to look genius in the first couple of years because they got these games that have been in development for a very, very, very long time, and they're going to come out, they're going to be of quality, some might be even great, and then after that, we're going to see the sequels of those games probably, and then we're going to see some diminishing returns just like we always have with the Star Wars series. If you pull up Star Wars video games, it is an overabundant of of games. As a matter of fact, there was a few games that came, was it this year and last year the Squadron game came out. That was yeah, not was very good. Yeah yeah it was a throwaway and even at the price point you know EA charging $30 for a game are you kidding me mm. all the Battlefront uh, stuff that's happening you know the conversations around that with Battlefront 2 specifically yeah it's been fixed since then but still you know that was a huge mess there's just too much pe- uh, there's there's too much baggage here uh, for this to be successful and there's no way that I see two games coming out every year and them being bangers they will there will be diminishing returns and there will be disasters uh, abound and so you know but that, that, that's just the way it is right now people are Holding on to the coke, co- t- uh, coke. Maybe they are doing some coke, uh, to the cocktails of, of these of these franchises that are you know off and running right now. But listen, I remember um, Disney Infinity. That that should have been nothing but a hit, but that died out after certain things start to kind of uh, diminish. Uh, you'll see, you'll see some some real consequences here, and I, I that's what I feel bad about. and That's what I'm scared about with studios like Respawn putting all their eggs in the Star Wars basket. If that title if that gets pulled from under them because of diminishing returns of other titles where are they at now you know they might lose some funding they 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 might have grown to a a huge amount just because they have the 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 star wars money and then they don't have that and then we have an incredible suit like respawn shutting down and other studios shutting down because they put all their eggs into that basket or
0: they can be a victim of their own success and now they made a great first person shooter now they're stuck making star wars jedi games a first person shooter and supporting apex and that's all they have time for that's it
1: and which is super weird because Vincent Pella left, or, you know, he
0: split stuff off for, happened for in Activision
1: yeah. where they, were, and then, yeah, uh, uh, because everything's going on with Call of Duty, and then kind of being sick of doing that over. No, Vincent Pella did Call of
0: Duty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he left there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when he left uh, there. And then,
1: so, like, doing Call of Duty and then going back and then kind of falling into that weird pattern again where he's doing the same thing over and over and over in terms of games. And so, it's just, it's just, it's weird, man, but we'll see what happens yeah. here. I, I don't. I, I'm with you. I don't know of any Star Wars fan that that can be like, oh, I'm excited because all these games are going to be bangers. Star Wars fans know they've been hurt many, yeah, many times. Yeah, man, that's why by I, terrible I wish, games.
0: I wish a lot of these studios would be brave enough to make original IP instead of just running to find the next license they can borrow. Like, it. I get it. 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 Again, it. It's beneficial because it puts eyes on your product. Uh, and it gets people talking. But at what cost, though? You know, like, I know original IPs are hard to get, you know, to get buzz for, and it's tough, but you got to take risks. and, And the risk of making a bad Star Wars game and wasting, you know, a relationship with Disney is a lot worse than making a new IP that might not pop right away, at least to me. I could be naive, but I would rather have an original IP from Respawn than, you know. Yeah, star wars game number I'm 158 even, or whatever number you said <laughs>
1: yeah and I, and I really think that a lot of these developers and creative types that work in games would love to do that too but un- unfortunately if you hit yeah. your wagon to star wars and you make a decent game it doesn't have to be great then you're seeing the money rolling. still in you wagons know what I, mean?
0: Man, yeah. escalator, so.
1: <laughs> I mean star wars is technically a long long time ago so okay. you know all right um, but anyway um that that'll do it for hit points today. You know, little something light. Yeah, man. Usually we have yeah. a lot of. Do uh, you yeah, sorry? But a little sorry right here. Uh, let's go ahead and move into the uh, to the main event of the show, which is our checkpoint chat. It's time for the checkpoint chat. All right, Marco. Today we're doing something. Uh, more lists you know kind of uh but we're doing something interesting because we're going to go uh we're going to go over the three most overrated game studios uh that are currently currently in the industry uh and we're just going to do round robin we're gonna mention the game and then we're going to go ahead and uh explain why yeah I hope ho- hopefully you guys don't get too mad we don't get too many angry emails <laughs> uh but if you don't like any of our choices That's too bad. That's too bad. Marco, why don't you uh, start us off with number three?
0: Yeah. um, So, man, this one was tough to to put on the list because um, I don't have a problem with the studio per se. I just don't think that they have earned this rapport that they have received ever since they were acquired by Microsoft. And that is Ninja Theory. Um, Hmm. I think they're a little overrated, man. And I think a lot of people would be shocked to hear that because most people would say, oh, actually, I think they're underrated. And I think you could make a decent argument for that. But to me, when you look at you know what Ninja Theory has achieved from their inception to where they are kind of right now, I think that they have been, especially after they were acquired by Microsoft, they've been kind of like this... This is like the uh, Xbox version of Santa Monica, you know, like they're making Xbox's God of War with with Hellblade, Two, And and there's just been this supreme confidence that that game in particular is going to be like phenomenal just because the few things we've seen of it look pretty good. But when you look back at the history of their work, um, decent stuff. Stuff. Some stuff is actually pretty good. I think their peak, to me, was Enslaved Odyssey to the West, um, followed by DMC, Devil May Cry. Um, But but when you think about games like Heavenly Sword for PlayStation 3, that one was pretty much a flop. Um, A lot of, you know, kind of junkware stuff. You know, games on iOS, VR games, Disney Infinity, you know, some game called nicodemus it's like a game about cigarettes yeah. or something i don't know it sounds like a nicotine story or something it was a i think it was a vr yeah game. It, is. it is but um i just don't think that i've ever seen even with even with hellblade senuous sacrifice like the first game it it felt to me more like um you know the epitome of a of a solid double a game with a lot of Weird conceptual problems of like, you know, action's pretty cool, but it's very simplistic. Uh, but the environmental puzzles were god awful, god awful. They were horrible. And so, but there's just this like memory wipe that seems to have happened where we forgot about the flaws of Hellblade One. We forgot that Bleeding Edge ever existed, which came out and that was their like free to play, not free to play. I, I don't know if it was free to play or not, but it was on Game Pass. It
1: was, it was, it was like their, um, basically their it was like a weird hero moba kind of thing
0: like hybrid or whatever and it it was god-awful it was an embarrassing like they stopped supporting It it really fast and we have no idea where hellblade 2 has been um but for some reason it just feels like they're given this free pass as if they have proven themselves in some capacity to earn this 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 trust um Amongst gamers, and I think that they still have a lot to prove. I hope Hellblade 2 turns out wonderful. I am very much looking forward to it, but by no means have I ever looked at a project Ninja Theory has done and thought, wow, they are an actually elite developer. I think they have always been mediocre at best but they are talked about especially now I'm, I'm talking more towards present day conversations about them as if they've already proven themselves as an elite studio and i just don't think that's true
1: yeah i think i i think i agree um you know i at least since like 2015 they really haven't done anything that you can really call their god of war or something that would make it you no. know put a stamp right. on their kind of uh, elite game development skills i mean yeah sure i, I think that hellblade center sacrifice is an important game um in terms of what it deals with uh but as a video game i i think that that game does lack you yeah. know and then uh, you know, and then obviously, you know, Bleeding Edge is terrible and, and they really haven't done much besides that. Obviously Hellblade 2 and Project Mara are coming. I think those two games could probably, uh, cement them in terms of them being like great. Uh, but you're right. I, I, and that's, that's a weird stigma because I kind of fall victim to that too, where it's like, oh, it's a Ninja Theory game. And I'm like, oh, this, this is going to be good, but I don't know why I think yeah, that it's when you go back it's bizarre. to these games.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs>
1: yeah so no but you, I, I, you're right you definitely said that and i was like oh man that's now, kind of a hot take but i don't think it yeah, is yeah no i will say i don't, I don't have take.
0: anything inherently against them i don't have any vitriol against them yeah. in the theory i just think that they are a work in progress to earn that kind of elite status i think they can get, get still there. Got things
1: to work out, if this yeah.
0: game turns out great they can get there but they're not there yet and i think we have to kind of we have to cool, we pump the brakes a little bit, and, and let's see how this game yeah. pans out first before we go there. Uh, but that, that's what I got for my first one. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about what your uh, well, your game is. Yeah,
1: this studio is super easy. Um, I, I, I did kind of a low-hanging fruit, then I did one that's in the middle, and then I did one that may be a little spicier, but not really. Okay. Um, my first one is Quantic Dream. Hey. Uh, yeah, I mean, for years they finessed and bamboozled folks into thinking that they were making important games. Like th- these games meant something that they were comparable to Oscar-worthy films. The reality is that they make shit games, and the writing is is, is like essentially gobbledygook. It's nothing. It's it's so badly and poorly written. Going back to Heavy Rain and 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 and, and seeing that game in action so, and hearing so that ham-fisted. game
0: so hamfisted, hearing so hamfisted,
1: it is <laughs> horrific. And it's led by a deviant, uh, van-glorious braggart who fostered the culture of hate within the studio Ooh. and continues to make shit games <laughs> uh, and still talk about himself like he's some sort of uh, God's gift to the video game world. I mean, he's absolutely atrocious. I think um, Clancy Brown, who worked with him for the, lat- the last game they made, the robot game. Uh, what's that game called? The uh, oh, I don't... Uh, uh, almost Human or... Uh, what's it? Human... I forget. Anyway, uh, pretty much said this guy was unsufferable. Un- become human idiot. Is that- Detroit oh, okay. become uh, human. I yeah, yeah. Out. yeah. Um, and and said this guy was insufferable, and 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 ha- and basically had no idea what he was doing, or, or and his writing wasn't good. Anyway, and then for I remember for many many years, and I am a fan of Fahrenheit because of how weird that game is, and it's kind of one of those like, oh, it's his first game, it's super weird, quirky, and then it just becomes this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Now recontextualizing Fahrenheit is a mess of a game because this guy doesn't. Know what he's doing, right? So, I, for years, many people thought the next Quantic Dream game, oh, Beyond Two Souls, oh, this is gonna, oh man, so important. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Ellen uh, Ellen Page uh, back then, uh, you know, that's gonna, no, this that game was a ho- horrible. So much so that we released a, a new version of that game that told the story in the correct Uh, uh, the correct timeline which was all i mean those games suck Uh, they all suck i i challenge anyone to tell me that any of those games are good games uh because i i I think that i think they are wrong i I think they might have some interesting things with the dialogue stuff and and how that kind of bleeds over and, and you know and you pick your own adventure type of thing but i think the execution of each of those things is consistently terrible And it just, you look at the growth of those games, graphically they're better, but they're pretty much the same games over and over. There is no growth in that studio for me. So Quantic Dream was an easy one for me to pick.
0: All right. Well, let me get into my uh, second game on my, uh, or not game, I keep saying game, dude. I don't know, my mind is gone. Uh, Hurricane mode. (laughs) But uh, studio number two. Uh, And this is one that I've talked about. Uh, I titled a show after its creator at one point uh, because I believe he is a hoe. Uh, and that is Kojima Productions. Um, yeah, I think that they are an overrated studio right now. And I think that because, and I've said this on the show in the past, I believe that whether we're looking at the Konami version of Kojima Studios or post Konami Kojima Studios, I do firmly believe that, uh, Kojima has peaked at MGS3, Snake Eater. And I believe that everything that he has done, probably with the exception of PT, um, I think has been very mediocre to full-blown disappointing. Uh, MGS4 was a narrative debacle. MGS5 was an unfinished narrative debacle um, that really strayed too far from the MGS formula that uh, a lot of people loved. Some people think it's great. I thought it was too much of a departure. Um, Death Stranding. Super divisive game. Um, don't need to get into that too much, but um, certainly not the kind of experience that I thought we would get from Kojima with his first game free of Konami's supposed death grip, which is starting to look more like they were maybe the last bastion of of uh, you know keeping him in check uh, as much as they could. At least the people there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think that he has really fallen into the trap of trying to be the Hollywood elbow rubber. Um, He wants the relationships with, you know, directors and actors and producers. And he he wants that kind of attention. He has his own freaking podcast. Um, And so I just think that he is overshadowed. I I think he's overshadowed his own work in a lot of ways. And it's become the Kojima show for better or for worse. Um, I really hope that his next projects are... Um, more in line with what makes his older games so great. Uh, Heavily cinematic, but not to the point where they are in bizarro land. Um, Or a game concept that is so ridiculous that no one else is following suit. Like He called Death Stranding the start of his own genre. And I haven't seen one game, not one, come out that was a Death Stranding-like. I've never seen one. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, he is kind of jumped the shark, uh, in more ways than one. And I think the quality of his work has suffered. Um, and there's just no one there to kind of police or keep him on, on rails at all. And so it's kind of anything goes. And I really wish it was different. I, I miss the old school Kojima productions, but I've made my peace about the fact that that team is gone. That, that era is over. And I can't keep looking forward to his next projects as if we're going to get some return to form like MGS2, MGS3 was back in the day. I just don't think he has it in him now. He's he's making art house kind of projects at this point. And, um, and it's, it's just too obscure at this point for me too. Yeah. I, I wish I could say different, but I just could not envision this list without throwing him in there.
1: Yeah, I I could agree with that. Um, I still think he has. Uh, I think I he still gets the benefit of the doubt for me. Um, uh, you know, he made such incredible games, and he might have missed the boat in the last two, but maybe there's still something there. But that's still a lot uh, remains to be seen for sure. Um, my second one is if you know me, you know exactly where I'm going because uh, I talk about this all the time. Think I know, and that's gorilla yes, games, guerrilla <laughs> games, guerrilla uh, games. Look, I, I'll say this right now and that way you guys are very... You guys understand exactly where I'm coming from. They've never made a great game. I've never made one. Let's go for the top. Shell Shock Dam, 67. One of the worst reviewed games of that year. Killzone. (laughs) Mediocre reviewed. Uh, Killzone Liberation. Mediocre reviewed. Killzone 2 got great reviews. Terrible game. Killzone 3. Killzone Shadow Fall. Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Forbidden West. And now Horizon Call of the Mountain, which would be a VR, which has yet to have come out. So, all those games... Are variation of suck. I'll just say that <laughs> much. Uh, they, <laughs> they're, 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 that's all they are. I mean, honestly, not they're, not, they're not. They're not. They not very good. Um, all of them, each and every single one of them, with maybe the exception of Shell Shock Nam, uh, was highly anticipated, time in, time out, and always disappointed. You know the the famous IGN trailer of Killzone uh, coming out and then the game releasing and then looking. Absolutely like nothing like that game. And just that game, Kill Zone series never. Finding its footing, never coming close to being the Halo kid- killer that it said it was going to be, and then kind of just falling off with Shadowfall, quite literally falling off uh, <laughs> of the map there, and then Horizon Zero Dawn coming in and then just being kind of this incredible next-generation game that's going to blow everybody's mind. And it's like, you know, all, all these little things of uh, yeah, you can pick different dialogue options. It's going to be in this, and it comes out, and you know, people love the game. I get it, but for me, I think the game is very mediocre. And then Forbidden West coming out, being better than its sequel still you know not reaching the highs of, of other sony studios that are constantly and consistently doing incredible work and they just never have done it they've never done it they've never done incredible work i'll I, i'm just being honest with myself i've never played a game of theirs and thought this is incredible those words never come out of my <laughs> mouth in fact i've never i don't think i've ever said this game is yeah. good when i played a game by guerrilla games so that's where i'm at uh okay uh guerrilla games yeah as my i two.
0: do uh, i i i do not disagree Um, you know, I, I had a feeling this would be on your list. Uh, I, I fully agree because I think they are a studio that man, you just, you want to believe that they're on the cusp of making something really, really special. And every time I think that they are about to figure it out, you get horizon or you get another mundane kill zone or, you know, it, it just, nothing ever crosses the threshold of exciting, when I think about their work, everything is just very hum humdrum. It, it, I don't know what it is. They're just a sleepy studio to me that makes very, <laughs> very nice looking fests. And I know that sounds like, it sounds like I'm almost reading like a, a Twitter troll post or something like that when I say that. But it's really how I feel. Like Horizon is is chock full of missed opportunities left and right. Killzone could have been something so much more captivating than just trying to be this bland generic sci-fi halo killer. Um but they yeah. never had the the chops to create anything that I think was truly, you know, memorable um that furthered right. the the portfolio of PlayStation. And I think they still have that and, problem to this and, day.
1: And I will say and you know, obviously very negative here uh towards them, but I will say Even with Shellshock Nan, which is the game I remember renting from Video King, I think (laughs) that all these titles, Killzone, Horizon, all have elements of things that can be amazing. They really do. Uh, you know the 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 world of Killzone with the Hellgas and all that stuff. All that stuff is super interesting if you read it on a wiki page, right? <laughs> but when <laughs> exactly. you play it, it's like, man, it's just missed opportunities. And, and, and I will say, and I know earlier in the show I said that I'm not gonna finish Horizon Forbidden West because every time I think about it, I go, ew. That's true, but uh, you know, definitely over exaggerating. I think Horizon Forbidden West is a great. Okay, take it back. Is a good I'm about game. I I think so. <laughs> I think it's a good game. I just think that there's way too many missed opportunities within it, and it's like lessons that they didn't learn from Zero Dawn are being repeated yeah. here, and that's the problem. There's, again, just like Quantic Dream, and I guess it's kind of a theme with me, no growth. Yeah. I mean, it's Stagnant. like over. Kills them, one, two, three, same mistakes over and over. They look prettier, mm-hmm. obviously. Technology's gotten better, but it's the same mistakes over and over and over. Uh, and so, I mean... I, I guess it would be super hard to kind of advance your IP if everybody is telling you you're doing incredible work. And I and I I honestly feel that people who who believe that these games are great, I think that they're a little bit on the hype train on it. I, I do. I I'm, I'm I play video games for a long time. They I know people who play video games a long time, and it's just. I don't see how this game is comparable to a, you know, a ghost of Tsushima or, uh, or a last of us or anything that, that's within or God of war, anything within the same family of games. In fact, I, I can almost say that, uh, days gone is a better game <laughs> than pretty much all these games. I, I, honestly,
0: I think it, there's just so much more there. Uh, they,
1: they've done so much more better, but it is what it is at this point. So anyway, Marco, let's go ahead and move on, uh, before, uh, I get death yeah. threats here. Uh, but where are you with um with your n- next one, which is your number yeah, one, right? This is
0: the number one studio that I think is the most overrated. This one's gonna take a little bit of explaining because when I say the name, a lot of people are gonna clutch their pearls and go, No, man, you what about this series mm-hmm. and this series? But I, I have my reasons. My number one most overrated studio is Rare. Um hmm. I get it, guys. You look at their, you go on their Wikipedia page, you see Killer Instinct, Donkey Kong Country, Kangaroo Virginia's Winning Run, GoldenEye, Perfect Dark, yeah. Banjo-Kazooie, Jet Force Gemini, and you think Conker's Bad Fur Day. You're going, nah, nah, man, come on. Here's the thing, though, guys. That was 21 years ago. <laughs> Those game, I mean, we're talking about games came in the, in the mid-90s, late-90s, in the, in the very early 2000s. I mean, the last really meaningful game they put out was probably Conquer, and that was 2001. You go and look at what they've done post-Xbox acquisition, even you know, even the stuff they did for Nintendo with like Star Fox Adventures and stuff like that. You know, very much a letdown. Um, Viva Pinata, I mean, you know, these games, Viva Pinata, and like, I don't know, Cameo Elements of Power, and then Perfect Dark Zero, and then the Killer Instinct reboot that went nowhere. Uh, you know battle toads came back and it was terrible
1: their best game is the rare replay which which is is all 21 years
0: exactly it's their best days is and that's my theme here their best days are 21 years behind them and whatever rare is now is not what they used to be back in the n64 era and that's why i say they're overrated they come with this Sheen, this glistening, like like they are just this pristine gem of yeah. gaming, as if the same people that have made all those classics I rattled off up till two thousand one are still, are still there. there, and it's not it's not what's happening. They have been for the most part a complete and utter disappointment under the Xbox umbrella since they were acquired they they the best that they have done as of as of yet has been Sea of Thieves and that took off for a while but even then i don't think that's the kind of game that you would have wanted from rare right but even then i mean i think let's
1: just say sea of thieves is a great success and it's a great game and all that it's one game within 21 years that that doesn't make them right. good again like what I've i seen people say, "Oh, let's just give banjo kazooie back to, to rare and have them." Don't no, don't do that. They have not proven themselves able to make games of that caliber. Because anymore. they've been so busy making connect
0: sports, and yeah. three of them, three of them things, and <laughs> and jetpack refueled. Like <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just reading off what I see. Like, and this is what I mean. Like, Everwild got announced. No concept for that game whatsoever. We still don't know when we're going to see that again. Like,
1: well, it, got rest- it got it got well, it turmoil because it got restarted. Right. So, the, the, the we, you know, yeah.
0: people left and all kinds of heads were rolling in, in, internally. Like, we have no idea what's going on at Rare at all. So, like, it's it is completely wrong to associate the Rare of today with the Rare of yesteryear. It's they're almost two completely different. They not even almost they are all they share is the name. But they are a, t- a totally different beast than what they were before. So, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like they can announce a new Banjo-Kazooie tomorrow. And I, I, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't really mean anything to me because
1: the needle it, it doesn't move the needle,
0: you know, and, and it's not the same people who made those games that, you know, a lot of you loved. So I think Rare's image needs to be brought back down to earth. They are okay you know, like really, if we're going to keep it a bean, like see if thieves kind of saved them, if I'm being honest, like if, if that yeah. didn't take off and if that didn't have the kind of, uh, if it didn't put the hooks in people like it did, I don't know what the nah, future, Captain, I don't know what we'd be looking at with rare at anymore, you know, cause they wouldn't have anything to show for almost 21 years of time. And that's pretty nuts. So yeah, I think rare is the most overrated studio that has clout. That is no longer, that is, that, clout that has expired, in my personal opinion. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's my number one. Rare ain't what they used to be.
1: So, my my number one, you know, I'm thinking about it. It, it probably is pretty spicy, now that I think about it. Um, I had Rare on my list for a long time, by the oh, yeah? way. Um, I had a list of about five, and Rare... I had rare on there. I had another company on there that I, you know, I came to my senses a little <laughs> bit on, um, but you know, I'm gonna tell you my number one <laughs> studio that I think is, and again, when I when we say this, I want to clarify, we're not saying these studios in some cases they do, but we're not saying these studios yes. suck. We're just saying they're overestimate overestimated overrated and i feel that the amount of clout that bungie has currently oh, today is oh a little God. bit head scratching to me because people <laughs> talk about bungie like they talk about all the other studios that are like high caliber AAA studios putting out games Ooh. right now when you look at what they did obviously let's look at the past halo absolutely instrumental to the first person shooting genre in consoles, but we're talking about what they've done lately, and what they've done lately is made Halo-adjacent games, games that hold microtransactions near and dear to their heart as much as their shooting mechanics. They, they, they've they created a, a, a genre that literally is putting their hands into your pocket and taking money away so you can get the cool, orange-colored Destiny-looking dude uh, you know, to play. I, I, I think that these games, the the Destiny games, are okay games. They're fine games but what they've done what they are and this is all personal taste for me obviously like i don't i don't understand the hype behind destiny i i really don't and i know there's people out there who are who are always playing the game but they're always seemingly complaining about it as well like oh this is, it takes like seven days and 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 and, five, and, and, and eight <laughs> nights to complete a fucking raid and you have to make sure you have seven people. like it's just these weird things and it's like as a standalone game playing it by yourself it's not a fun game to play mm-hmm. at all like it's they always say oh you can play this game by yourself no you fucking cannot sure you can't but you're not you're going from one section to the other with little story and just beating these uh, these these um these enemy types and then moving on to the next thing it just there's no cohesiveness when it comes to the story all this lore everything is tucked away and and the guns and in description of guns and and the world and description world but not in the actual playing of the game it's it, obviously it's a genre game it's a a shared open uh a, a shared open world type of thing i i don't get it like when you look at other games that have duplicated what what Bungie is trying to do, they mostly always fail. Look at the Avengers uh, in that sense. It's just it's a failure of a game because they're trying to replicate something that Bungie is doing. And the only reason Bungie is successful in doing it is because they were first. That's it. There's something to be said about being first or something about to be there before anybody else and having this unique concept. But ultimately, for me, I don't feel that those games are very good to begin with. And I'm looking at it as a quality as a video game fan, as a guy who plays video games. I don't find those games fun at all. And the fact that Bungie can come out tomorrow and say oh we're releasing a brand new game that people will lose their goddamn minds over why it's probably just going to be another live service game that I'm going to have to uh, play with friends and, and and put money in and wait for years and years of, of like smaller extensions until we get this big the witch king hunter moon guy thing <laughs> and, it's like <laughs> and it's like another story and it's like it's like you're really not getting a lot of it unless you're playing the damn raids which you know take a fucking village to play like it's just it's just a lot going on with those games that I feel that they work within their own world and with, with their own concept but Bungie in terms of a st- being a studio after stepping away from Halo they haven't done anything that is really that really excites me And I, and there's nothing that they can do right now in terms of releasing a game that's gonna put me over the edge and make me excited for them because if it's what uh, Destiny 3, uh, who cares? You know, personally. Look, I know there's people that are fans of this game, but I'm talking about what Bungie was and what Bungie is. Or Night and Day, two different studios. You know, they're not the same studio anymore. They they, they have different priorities and different ways of philosophies of, of, of developing games, and that's not one that I'm with. So that is my number one. Yeah, man.
0: I mean, I, I would have to disagree on that one, but I, I understand where you're coming from, though. I think that... W- the, the things that I would say in favor of Bungie is that I think that their gameplay and the first person feel of their games has only gotten better uh, throughout the years. And I, yeah, But I, the game that it's in. You sure. Know? But, you know, I uh, Bungie went from having to make a series for mass audiences to deciding they wanted to make a, a series that isn't for everybody. And there's certain things that come with that. You want to make a live service game. There's going to be things that come with that. That the type of model that it is structurally, with you know vaulting stuff and bringing stuff out and seasonal content and things like that. You know they um, they uh, you know they, they took a chance on it, and um, you know it's been a very rocky road to where they are, but you know they have reached a point where they are successful, and they do have a, a pretty massive audience of people that are very hardcore about destiny so i i get it from your perspective but i get why personally it's but not that's
1: also but that's also it though you made a good point there is every time a new destiny comes out we got to wait two years before it's good like that that in itself isn't really uh it, to me doesn't scream a great video game developer at least in terms of what they're doing because look when, when the first destiny came out i mean that shit was bland as hell. They even called, you know, Vanilla vanilla Destiny. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, then two years later, it's like this game. Like, oh, you should play this game because now it's good. Same thing with Destiny 2. Destiny 2 comes out. Vanilla Destiny 2 is fine. You know, it's fun to play, mm-hmm. shoot around. But then now it's the game that everybody's playing now because it's good takes years for these games to get good which is weird to me and and i agree that the concept of the game is different but bungie left halo to make a game that kind of looks like halo anyway like there was just they they just they left the grasp of, of trying to which was weird to me they left halo to do a game that almost felt like Halo... But had the... Uh, different concept altogether... Which is pretty much just led by money... Uh, so I... It's just... I don't like anything that Bungie's is doing... Uh, I don't... There's nothing... Like if Bungie were to announce destiny 3 or a new ip would you be excited because i don't i don't understand I would why anybody would be excited i mean they're not doing a destiny yeah, they're not doing a
0: destiny 3 they already said they're not the, but a new ip i would be yeah.
1: yeah but they said that destiny 1 was 10 year a 10 year game and it only lasted what six seven before you know we got destiny 2 uh i i don't think they ever go away from destiny honestly I, I don't. I think the next game will be a Destiny three, and if it's a new IP, it's probably something smaller. And at that point, if they make something smaller that's not like uh Destiny, you know, obviously, I would be. I, I reserve the right to change my mind in terms of what they're doing in the future. But as it stands right now, two games in in their in their new, uh, well, now not in the pen anymore, but two two games in with Destiny one and two. I mean, yeah. <laughs> They're making games that takes many, many. It's a ten year development cycle before the game is good for a month before they release the next game.
0: Ooh, the so, bungee uh, hive is going go to come for your one. neck. <laughs> I mean, look.
1: I, what are they going to say? That oh, bunge that they, uh, Destiny is good. Yeah, after three years of waiting, well, the one uh, uh, in, in I your mean, that's track. subjective,
0: but I mean, what I what I would say is is probably the most objective problem that that Destiny has is that um it is it's it is built in a way where it will leave you out in the cold if you don't get in in a certain point if you don't get in early and you're not following along season by season by season and really staying on top of the content and the meta you can get left in the dust fast like there is almost really no there there is nothing user or consumer friendly about getting into destiny 2 right now like you are getting a very weird experience if this if you get into Destiny 2 today, um, and that's where I yeah. think they've they've really failed is they have kind of closed the gate on people that want to join the party a little bit late. And I think that they can't because so many things have are up in motion, and things have been vaulted, and things have been stored away, and lore, like you said, is kind of scattered. That it's hard to get your bearings as a newcomer. So I hope that whatever and, they and
1: not including,
0: I hope whatever they, whatever they do in the future, I hope that they have a more organized experience. That I will say is a problem.
1: But not, and not not in, and let's not ignore. A big part of it is if you want to enjoy this game at its fullest, you have to pretty much put about $150 in if you're in from day one, because you buy the season one pass and it's like 30 bucks, and that's me being, you know, generous in the price. And then two, and then three, uh, three packs later, you're $100 after $60 in, you're $150 in. That's the only way you'll be able to experience the good version of that game, which is bananas to me, but. It is what it is. Any other studio does this. Any other studio would do something like this, they would be crucified for it. But because Bungie again was first and there's something to be said oh, about that. I think they've taken some You heat. know, I, I think they've
0: taken some heat for sure. They've been they've been yeah, they've been they've in, they've in many a young yay videos. <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, but you know, th- that just kind of adds to my point in terms of them being completely having this 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 I don't know, this this idea that they're like an elite studio when I think that they make good games, but I think that the concept and, and everything behind it, it just, there's not much there for me to be, get excited about when it comes to any uh, new bungee. Got games. you.
0: All right. Well, that was good. Good to get that off our chest a little bit. Um, yeah. My, my other honorable mentions, I think I had, I had arcane, but I told you offline, I wasn't going to put them on the list cause that was too predictable. I've always talked about them mm-hmm. and I had infinity ward there too. I almost put them on the list. I, I don't think oh, that they're the superior had, um, call of duty studio actually
1: yeah i had sega but they're so segmented with everything sonic team
0: no that's why i say sonic team
1: yeah but then yeah but then my whole thing behind this was like people get excited for and that's like this the the the, the running joke with sonic Mm -hmm. team anytime they announce something everybody's like um okay like there's a lot of doubt when it comes to sonic team so um and then I, I, the one that I had on there, and I'll tell you guys right now, and I and I came to my senses, uh, only because they pivoted from what they were. And it's Valve. Now, when you look at it from a video game standpoint, they really shit the bed. I mean, they, they've they pocketed and, and locked away the third part of a game that we've been clamoring for for years and haven't made anything besides the VR version of that game, uh, Half-Life Alyx, uh, for years. Left 4 Dead. And it's been... Yeah. It's Left yeah, 4 Dead. It's been... <laughs> yeah since left for dead yeah which is but it's been like almost a decade if not more since left for dead yeah fortress yeah it's still it's been yeah it's been a decade since we've seen anything Mm -hmm. like that so but you know they 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 are doing other stuff they made the steam deck which is huge they they own the steam library which is massive (laughs) so they've pivoted in a different way so you can't really hold them uh, hold them uh, it wouldn't have been a bad argument uh,
0: it wouldn't have been a bad argument i almost thought about throwing bioware in there Almost for the same th- argument. I
1: had BioWare on the Same there argument for a as while. I said about yeah.
0: Rare, where it was like, you know, they're not who you remember. They're a totally different beast, for better or for worse. Like Anthem, I was going to bring yep. up that. Andromeda, and just kind of like the, the uncertain future. The only reason that so. I.
1: Yeah. And the only reason I didn't put that on there is because a lot of it has to do with just mm. that the future of it. Because really, when you look at it, they've only missed twice with Anthem and, and Andromeda. Uh, and Dragon so Age Two was a pretty big
0: disaster for them, I know.
1: Yeah, but it was. I think it was rectified with uh, Inquisition, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was yeah. was, was pretty excellent. Um, but you know, they they had their ups and downs. But I think ultimately, a lot of what we would say about them is about. The future of them and nothing in concrete. I mean, they could have, you could have probably made a, a decent yeah. argument there too. But uh, I think your choices were good. Uh, but yeah, anything else? Anything else you want to add? No,
0: no, that was all my uh, honorable mentions. But uh, yeah, it was kind of fun to think about this one because uh, you know a lot of, like I said, a lot of studios just kind of skate by with this like automatic cloud. Yeah. And it's like, well, how'd you get that? <laughs> you know, so it's it's, yeah, it's I, nice to call it out a little bit here. So I had a good time with this one.
1: We should probably do like a un, uh, underrated. Uh, yeah, version yeah. Of this somewhere down yeah, we don't want to
0: be all negative. Yeah, we might do What's a positive it? version of this and yeah. talk about underrated studios for sure. For sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, but that's gonna go ahead and uh, wrap up this week's show. Until next time, don't forget to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. Go ahead and do that for us. Just go ahead and, and run out and 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 sub. You run. We, you can, we can, need to Do a little guys. power
0: walk like those old people do in the morning at like four o'clock. You know, with the yeah, spandex yeah. on. Very Wear spandex. D- very healthy. Like yeah. Yeah, please do uh,
1: and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at it's cooldown time so that way we'll always be in your FOV thanks for listening and we'll see you next week if the hurricane hasn't <laughs> blown us
0: away All uh, right, you didn't have to do that you didn't have to do that all right that was we'll beautiful. see y'all later Make me feel good.